good to be here this morning. I'm, I'm excited about our third week in Nehemiah. How many of you have enjoyed the series of Nehemiah so far? Come on. How many of you had to be careful the following week because you just walked through some stuff? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's good to preach a message like that. It's good to, to hear a message like that. But man, it's something else when you got to go out and live a message like that. Amen. So in week one, we talked about in Nehemiah, we talked about how God had given a Nehemiah, given Nehemiah this burden. If you remember, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. He lived in the palace. He ate the king's food. He drank the, the, the king's drink and he hung out with the king's people. He was doing good. But at the same time, the children of Israel were in exile, which means they, they were scattered. They were all over the place. They had no place to call home, no place to, call, to have security, no protection. They were just out there. How many of you know some folks that are just kind of out there? I mean, anything the enemy wants to do with them, he just does it, right? Well, those are the people that God gave Nehemiah a burden for. It was his people. And so Nehemiah's living in the palace. Everything's going his way. It's rice and gravy all the time. Come on, the sun's always shining and the birds are always singing at the palace, right? So Nehemiah's doing good. And he's serving the king, doing his job well. And, and, and he's blessed in his work. And his friends come over. And you remember, he says, he asked the question. He says, how does it go with our people? In other words, the children of Israel. And they busted him. They said, it's not good, Nehemiah. Well, what do you mean it's not good? Well, they're scattered all over the place. In other words, Nehemiah, they're lost. They have no wall. The Jerusalem is torn down. The walls are torn down. The gates are ripped off the hinges. There's no protection. The city's just, it's in chaos, Nehemiah. It's just all over the place. And the people are laying there. They're living there, standing there, vulnerable to anything the enemy wants to do to them. And if you remember this, this should have got you. The, the Bible said that Nehemiah had to sit down. You ever get news that makes you sit down? Huh? When somebody calls you and tells you a loved one died and it takes the, the strength out of your legs, that's what happened to Nehemiah. He sat down and he began to weep, the Bible says. It says, in fact, for days he wept and prayed and fasted and mourned for the children of Israel. What happened to Nehemiah? What changed? He became aware of the condition of his people. And he received a burden from God. That changed his life. It totally changed his life. It turned his situation around. It restructured his priorities in life. You follow me? You see, a God-given burden is going to restructure your life. It's going to make the things that you thought were so important less important. Amen? It's going to mess you up. And that's what happened to Nehemiah. So the first week we talked about how Nehemiah received a burden and how he became aware. And then he prayed over the burden. He prayed God's word. That's where his faith came from to actually go out and move and, and, and act on this burden. It came from the word of God. Remember, he starts praying when he's weeping and crying and praying. He's praying the word of God. And as believers, we need to know the word of God because your enemy knows the word of God. And he's going to twist it up. Tie it up and stick it in front of your face and make you believe something that's not true. Right? 
So Nehemiah's got the word, and he starts to pray the word of God. There is power in praying the word of God. Come on, somebody. I mean, I don't know what to pray. I'll just be honest with you. You come to me and say, Pastor, my marriage is a wreck. I don't know what to pray. I'm going to pray the word of God. That's what I know to pray is the word of God. Anyway, if I pray one of my prayers, ain't no telling where you're going to be. But we need to pray the word of God. And so last week we talked about, and I felt like we had a good time last week. I felt like some great things happened in the spiritual realm last week. And I'm not trying to get kooky on you, but I just felt like something broke last week. And, and, and the message was this. The message was that, okay, so you've got this burden from God, and he wants you to move into action with it. And that's a great thing. So it's a good thing to have a burden from God. It actually gives you purpose and meaning and puts a little pep in your step. So here's the thing that we talked about last week is when you start to step out into that burden, here comes resistance. Right? We, we, we talked about how you got to press through the resistance. Listen to me. If you want to know you're doing the right thing for God, you just need to look at your resistance. If there's no resistance, you're working for yourself. If there is resistance, you're working for God. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching right there. Right? So if you think, oh, man, I got this burden for this, and I move towards it, and you actually get there with no resistance, you may need to regroup. We watch football, right? The defense tries to resist the what? The offense. Right? So the offense has to come up with plans and schemes on how to get around the defense or through the defense to score the touchdown or or to achieve the goal. And so it's the defense's job to figure out how to stop the offense. As believers, you are on the offense. That was real deep. Y'all just... Either you, you, me or my passed on by, you, you're still chewing. But you're on the offense. In other words, you're the one with the goal in hand. You're the one with the purpose. You're the one with the burden. You're the one called to go and reach the lost. To go and rebuild the city. To go and help God's people. That's offense. The devil's on defense. And other people. Come on. Some people act like the devil. Don't deny it because sometimes you act like the devil. And so his goal is to bring resistance. So we got to learn how to press through that resistance. We got to learn how to have faith that stands. We talked about how Nehemiah, when he stepped out and people just came. You see, when you get a burden from God and you step out into it, it attracts people. You ain't got to worry about the help. You just step out and do it. God's going to send the help. Come on. He's going to send the help. You just need to step out. Don't worry about the, 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 the practical thing. You just step out and watch what God's going to do. You remember when Peter stepped out of the boat? What happened? Something came up underneath his feet that wasn't there before. Right? Same thing with you. God's going to do that. And so the enemy's going to bring resistance. So Nehemiah and, and, and the Israelites, they go and they start to rebuild this wall. And then these other kings start to send threatening letters. Ever get a threatening letter before? We're about to cut off your electricity. Come on. We're about to repossess your car. Somebody's answering the phone over there. (laughs) Tell them you're calling back. (laughs) You ever received something threatening? You ever received something that somebody threatened you to stop you? And how many of you, when you've received a threatening 
letter or word or something, you stopped. Oh, God. Oh, man. This must not be right. I can tell you in my own life, I've turned around when I've faced resistance at times. Knowing that God had something for me to do. That he was calling me to step out of my comfort zone into something else. To another level of faith. To make another faith step. And can I be honest with you? There's been times that I've got there to take that step. And resistance came and I went, ah. Must not be the right time. And so I delayed. I delayed the inevitable. Right? But Nehemiah didn't. Nehemiah went to work. He moved into action on what God told him to, and the people came, and they started to rebuild, and then they get all these threatening letters from the king, from these other kings, Sanballat and Tobiah, these guys, they were threatening them. And the threats got so heavy and so bad. You see, they didn't just threaten them one time. They amped up the threatening. Come on, sometimes your resistance gets stronger the further you go into something. That doesn't mean you get to stop. Right? That means you need to just press in a little bit harder. Come on. Your breakthrough is just on the other side of you standing up in the morning, putting your feet on the ground and praising Jesus for what you got. Right? And so the the threat gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse to the point that they took half of the workers and put them on guard. And then they took the ones that were still working, the other half, they worked with a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other. And I believe that's a picture of us today. That you're going to have to walk through this life, you're going to have to fight in this life with one hand with a sword, the word of God, and the other hand with a hammer, which is what you're moved to action with. Right? So don't ever think you're going to just go through life with a hammer. That would be nice, right? <laughs> Let's knock stuff around. It's not happening. You're going to have to fight. You need to expect a fight. You need to expect resistance. Amen? And when you get that resistance, that just needs to boost you up a little bit. You know, it ought to just do something to you. I, I told you about the guys that were trapping in my pond last week and how I just... Remember, they were trespassing. When the enemy brings resistance against you, you don't need to cower back. You need to bow up and go forward. Why? Because you got a burden from God. You don't need permission from the devil when you got a burden from God. He didn't even need permission from people. He had a burden from God. And he walked into it. And he pressed through. So today where we pick the story up is, is that Nehemiah... And, and, the, and the children, they, they kept building. Half of them went to, to be on guard, and the other half ended up uh, working with a sword and a hammer, and, and, and they finished. So that's where we find Nehemiah's story today. They finished in around chapter 6. They're, they're done. They, they built the wall, replaced the gates. The city's been restored. The people, amazing things happened to the people in that process. And so that's where we pick the story up today. So there's a pattern. When you read your Bible, you'll see patterns. And you'll see patterns in the New Testament about Jesus, where Jesus faced things, and he faced resistance, and he had to overcome, and he had to walk by faith, and he had to press in and press through. 
Because this is what we tend to do. We tend to, when we get a little bit of a breakthrough and we had to go through something, we get this tendency to want to go, whew, man, that was tough, but boy, it's all downhill from here. Come on, somebody. Oh, man, we finally made it to the mountaintop. Time to put it on cruise control. Nobody's mad at us no more. We ain't going to face no more resistance. Right? If that was true, Nehemiah would have ended in chapter 6. If God was done with them when they finished rebuilding the walls, the the book would have stopped at chapter 6, but it goes on to chapter 13. I think about Moses and when he parted the Red Sea, I bet he thought, man, this was great. <laughs> man, you, did you see that? I put my stick in the water and it spread open and we walked, a whole nation of people walked across. I bet when they got to the other side and they closed in on his enemy, I bet he was like, man, this is good. This is a great stick. <laughs> wow. We've arrived, y'all. It's all over with, right? But what happened? 40 years in the desert, right? Be careful when you think you have arrived. I said, be careful when you think you've arrived. (laughs) You remember when the disciples crossed over the lake and the storms got crazy and had to wake Jesus up? Jesus sleeping through the storm lazy thing sleeping through the storm they're bailing the boat out jesus just sitting there sleeping you see he's not rattled by your storm like you are you know why because he's already on the other side of that storm in fact he's even in the boat with you taking a nap not upset about anything the disciples see jesus they they wake him up don't you even care jesus is like Man, I was sleeping good. What's, what's the deal? We're dying! Over this? Be still. And whew. Slick waters, baby. Water turned to glass. Right? I bet the disciples are like, oh, that was cool, man. I bet they're like, but let me tell you, what was on the other side of the, the lake? What was there meeting them when they hit the shore? Naked boy. Demon-possessed boy. Right? With the legions of demons. He was naked, cutting himself, violent, chained up, all these crazy things. When you think you arrived, be careful. There's something else coming. Right? You get past the storm, you get across the lake, you get through the Red Sea... Yes, there's painful moments, but the Bible is primarily about hope and overcoming. Here's the thing. Your first faith step is always your hardest faith step. Amen. Your first one is your hardest one. I shared last week about jumping off of a high diving board for the first time as a kid. And how, you know, you get up there and you kind of make those false attempts to jump. You kind of, and you. And all your buddies are like, come on, you big chicken. You can do it. It ain't going to hurt you. And somebody says, I'll go away before you get married and all this other stuff. And you're up there and you kind of, that's your hardest jump, right? 
Because when you, you finally jump and you realize it didn't hurt, it didn't kill you, it didn't pop your head off, the pressures wasn't that bad, it wasn't all that gory and all those other things, you actually did it, what happened? You got out of the water and where'd you go? You went back to the diving board again and you jumped off again. The second time was easier than the first time. Right? When, she, when God called Cheryl and I to pack our bags and move from Franklin, Louisiana, where everything was nice. And he said, go find Bubba, ask him what he needs and help him. That was our first big faith step. And it was scary. And I'll be honest with you, I thought after we made that step, it was so great. I was like, we're done. We're fishing out the faith business. I mean, we, we did our thing. We got our credits. We passed the course. We're good. Boy, was I wrong. Man, I was wrong. Right? So that's where we picked Nehemiah up. And went through some crazy things. But God rebuilt the wall. He rebuilt the wall with who? With people. You see, God is in the people business. He's in the people business. He's not in the building business. He's in the people business. And God chooses to use people to build the things that he wants to build. Amen? God could erect a building in the middle of Highway 190 right there at the snap of a finger or the the speaking of one word. God could do that. He don't need us to build a building. He don't need us to rebuild a city. He chooses to use his people to reach lost people and to build cities and to build regions. Amen? That's what we're here for. Nehemiah had a burden for people. You see, the burden, the burden wasn't for the wall. The burden was for the people, the condition of the people. You see, when you get a burden from God, it has to do with people. The condition that somebody's in is the burden that you get from God because God's in the people business. Amen? John Maxwell said this, and I think it's very good. Experience doesn't grow you. Evaluated experience does. Becky's going to put a picture up of of reflecting or or looking in the mirror. I know sometimes, you can put that up, sometimes we've, we've heard it said that it's not good or healthy to look back, right? Some people say you got to be careful looking back because it can get you in trouble or bring you down. But I'm here to tell you today that sometimes it's good to reflect on the past. Sometimes it's good to grab a seat and turn around and see the work that God has used you to do and the work that God has done in you. Amen. What you see in this picture is in the rearview mirror, you see the storm that they just passed through. But in the, in the windshield, you see the blue skies ahead of them. Right. Sometimes you got to be reminded of what God's brought you through to get you to where he's bringing you to. Right. So I journal when I study my Bible. I write things down. When God does something, when he speaks to me, I write them down. And I'm not very organized, but I got my own little system, okay? And I write things down. I put a date, and I put what God spoke. And and if there's a scripture, I put scriptures there, and then I just write a little bit. My Bible's like that. It's written up. Why? Because there's times that I get down in the dumps, times that the enemy gets so strong and the resistance gets so tough that I need to go back and I need to remind myself of the last time when he showed up and how he showed up and when he showed up and who he showed up with and how I got through the last time so they can give me faith and encouragement to get through the next time. 
Come on, it's important to write things down. It's important to evaluate your past. This summer, I had the privilege of going through an inner healing course that Jennifer teaches. And, 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 and I went through this course. It was 16 weeks. And I'll be honest with you, I went at it like, golly, 16 weeks. Man, I got to go through this course. Oh, my goodness. I wonder what it's going to be like. Is it, I'm about to talk about what my daddy did and talk about this. And, you know, you get those thoughts, right? Anybody ever get those thoughts? Okay, that make me feel better. But I dove in and I said, God, you got something for me in this. And you know what happened in 16 weeks is, is God brought me back by the power of the Holy Spirit, brought me back to my past. And he, he caused me to see things in my past because there were some things in my past that were affecting my future that wasn't true. Because we all go through some bad stuff in our past. And the enemy wants you to believe that God wasn't with you when you went through that bad stuff. But that's not true. Because when you go back and you evaluate and you reflect on the past, you see where God showed up. Are you getting this? You see where God was there with you, and it changes the way you view your past, and it causes you to go forward a little faster, a little better, with a clearer mind. Amen? So it's good to reflect. Don't dwell on your past, but reflect. That's what Nehemiah did. That's what the children of Israel did. I bet when they put that last stone up and they knocked that last hinge in for the gate and they hung that gate, I bet they celebrated. I bet they sat back till the, till the, the sun went down just sitting there going, man, can you believe this? Man, look at what God did. And we finished already? You know, sometimes when you go through storms in life, you get through them faster than you think you get through them. And when they're over with, you kind of go, we're done? But I thought it was going to be worse than this. So let me give you what we learned through the last process, through this last process of going through Nehemiah. Let me me just kind of wrap up Nehemiah for you if I can. Can I do that? Number one, what God starts... He finishes. What God starts, he finishes. Nehemiah 6 verse 15 says, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. you got to get this because it's, it's, it's significant. They finished rebuilding the city of Jerusalem in 52 days. They did half of those days approximately with a full crew. Then they did the other half of those days with a half a crew working with a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other. But God did it. God rebuilt it. God restored the city. He used his people. He anointed them. And in some godlike way, they rebuilt the city in 52 days. Say, man, that's good. That's amazing. When God sets out to do something, it's going to be accomplished. That was a good place to say amen. When God sets out to do something, it's going to be accomplished. Look at Philippians 1.6. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't die on a cross to save you and stop. He died on the cross to save you, forgive you, cleanse you, heal you, set you free and set you on your way and breathe life into you so that you could keep on going. 
Amen? And he's not done with you yet. If you're sitting here today, he's not done. But he's going to finish. God's never not completed a project. He's never not completed work that he set out to do. Amen? You know what that should do? That should give you a different kind of faith. That that should give you a finishing kind of faith. The kind of faith that says, you know what? God started this. He's going to finish it. How many of you ever got to a place in your, in your walk with Jesus where you went, am I saved? I mean, like, like seriously, am I even saved? Lord, I give my life to you again. Are you getting something? Man, could you pray for me? For what? For salvation. But you the pastor. That's okay. Pray for my salvation. You ever been like that? Here's the thing you got to remind yourself of is that when he starts something in you, though it may get weary and though you may get tired, he's going to finish. He's going to finish what he starts. He finishes. The wall was rebuilt in 52 days. And if they would have stopped right there, the book would have stopped right there. But God wasn't done yet. You see, God, God's plan wasn't just to get the city rebuilt. God's plan was to do something with his people. It was always about the people. He just used the city as a good excuse to work in the people. Come on. If, if God was just in the buildings, Nehemiah stops at chapter 6. But because God is in the people, Nehemiah goes all the way to chapter 13. Say this with me. Say God's in the people. They just said, I'm done. I'm finished. Selah. Amen. We're finished. When we hit those big moments, sometimes we think that's it. But that's not it. That's not it. You're not done. You keep going. Listen to me. You hit the finish line when you cross over into glory. Right, Miss Mary? I'm still trying to catch Miss Mary. That woman can run. But it's a process. Come on, people. It's a process. It's not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. And you got to start and you got to finish. But it gets tough on the in-betweens. Right? You ever set out to do something and you're like, God, I didn't realize this was going to be that hard. And you start looking for what? Excuses. So number one, what God starts, he finishes. Number two, we thought God was building a wall, but he was really building us. You see, Nehemiah realized, I believe, in the process that God was building his people way more than he was rebuilding the wall. Right? He's building his people. You got to know that God's always got people on his mind. They're in his heart. It's all about people. You're here because of people. He's doing things because of people. Right? We're raising money to build buildings because of people, not buildings. We don't need anything else to build. Building is hard. Nobody likes to build except Sam. Sam likes to build. That's what he gets paid to do. I don't like to build. I'm done with that. I hate it. You with me? But God's building us in the process. We thought it was about the wall, but it was really about us. Here's the funny thing. Is this isn't the same group that they started out with they had been changed you see just because the enemy saw that in 52 days the wall and the city was rebuilt 
And they were amazed and fear came over them because of what God had done. That's what the Bible says. Look at this in Nehemiah. I'm not there yet. But in Nehemiah, it says that it says that that his enemy, those that were writing him threatening letters, sat back in fear, amazed at how fast the wall was rebuilt. And they said these words, surely God is with them. Surely God is with them. Surely God is with you. Are the people around you saying those things? Are your enemies saying, "Uh uh-oh, God's with them? They'd been changed. They were involved in a miracle. They... They jumped in on a burden. See, sometimes you catch a burden from other people. Sometimes one man steps out with a burden and people get attracted to that burden. They go, you know, that's a good burden. I think I'm going to jump on board with that burden. (laughs) That's what happened in Nehemiah. The Bible doesn't say that God visited all the people and gave each one of them a specific burden. It just says he gave Nehemiah the burden and Nehemiah stepped out in faith, moved into action and God brought people around him that were attracted to this burden. And because they were attracted to this burden, their life was forever changed. They would never, ever be the same. They embarked on a journey that they had no idea where it was going. It's a great idea. To plant more churches. It's a great idea to build more buildings because we're running out of space. It's a great idea to remodel the current building you're in. That's great ideas. But God's into doing something in you with that idea. Amen? Listen to me. Every building project I've been a part of, every capital campaign I've ever given money to, God has stirred my faith. He was more interested in my faith than my money. Come on, somebody. Anytime we jump on board with somebody else's burden, God does something with us, in us and through us. I'm not the same man I used to be. The Jamie you know today went on some journeys. The Jamie you know today went with some burdens. The Jamie you know today faced some resistance. At times he failed, but at times he succeeded. And he learned how to stand up and press through the resistance. And he learned that God was building him. Right? God's building you. It's all about you. Come on, somebody. They've seen the miracle happen. They were hands and knees into the miracle. They were sweating in the miracle. They were going with the miracle. They were changed by the miracle. The dust they had on them, the the times they couldn't go take a bath and rinse off the work, they was all in the miracle. They, They lived in the miracle. Come on, somebody. They ate on the miracle. Come on. 
They were involved, engaged, fully gave themselves to this miracle that God was performing. And the miracle wasn't the building. The miracle was them. They thought it was the building, but they had a surprise after chapter 6. So that's what he was up to. Nehemiah 8, 5 to 6 says this. They finished the wall and everything's going good. And it says, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all God's people. For he was above all the people. And as he opened it all, the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, amen, amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. These were the same people that were just exiled. The same people that before they were exiled was worshiping false idols. The same people that were frustrated with God, tired because he wasn't moving fast enough, went on and fell in love with something else, then found themselves in exile, and then God restores them. These are the same people that are on their face crying out to God. What changed them? They got into the burden. They got involved in the miracle. They lived beyond themselves. Right? They lived beyond themselves. Nehemiah lived beyond themselves. He could have said, man, forget them people. I'm doing good. Right? He was, I'll pray for them. I'm going to bite my tongue on that one. Some of you still praying for your poor little burden. time to move into action and do something about it and get involved in a miracle. Amen. I'm not willing to sacrifice or give of my time, talent, and treasure for a building. I'm willing to give of it for people. Amen. I've given financially, talent-wise, and time-wise for the building of people. Number three, when you know God's faithfulness, you worship different. I believe in that for us. I believe we started seeing it this morning. I believe our worship needs to change. Because you see, when you realize God's faithfulness, it should change you. It should change your worship. You know what that means? It should change the way you see God. It should change the way you see your situation. It should cause you to worship God. That's what I love about that last song we sang this morning. Amazing grace. How sweet. I've been hearing that song since I was a kid. And this morning it just changed me. Because I was reminded of God's faithfulness in my life. That he brought me from death into life. And he caused me to go from blindness to sight. Amen. His faithfulness changed my worship. And as a church, when we start to understand that God is faithful, it's going to change the way you worship. You're not going to care about what you look like when you come up in the church. And if, whether you hold your hands right or you do this or you get this little sway going. and all this, You don't care about that. Why? Because of God's faithfulness, your worship has changed. You're not going to be afraid to sing a song at work about Jesus. Come on. 
Your worship needs to change. And when you understand God's faithfulness, it changes the way you worship, which means it changes the way you see your condition and you see God and you see your life. You got to learn how to worship through the pain. You got to learn how to worship in the dry times. Come on, somebody. Worship is a weapon. Amen. You worship different when God supernaturally provides for you and demonstrates his goodness. You see life differently once you've trusted God and he's proven himself trustworthy. Jesus said that the ones who've been forgiven of much forgive much, but also love much. Right? It changes us. We're never the same. The woman with the alabaster jar in Luke 7, she broke it. It was her entire life savings. She broke it because of the depth of the faithfulness she's seen in Jesus. She didn't care about the value of something. Amen? It was worth it. Remember the disciples got indignant? What the heck is she doing? She's wasting all that money. Oh, my goodness. She didn't care. Why? Because she was worshiping the most faithful. Worshiping the most faithful. So Nehemiah 8.10 says this. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has been who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on. This is not a sad time. You just rebuilt a wall. And now you realize that it wasn't about the wall. It was about you. So in the process of building the wall or building the project or the thing that God's called us to do, he built you in the process and you're different. You're changed. Your worship is different. You need to get excited about that. You thought it was about the wall, but oops, it was about you. You look half dead and half asleep this morning. Come on, somebody. Dear goodness. If you don't step out, you don't get built up. Come on, somebody. If you don't ever step out with your talent, you don't know how good your talent is. If you don't step out with your time, you don't know how valuable the time is. If you don't step out with your treasure, you never get to experience what these people experienced. It should cause you to worship. It should cause you to get out of yourself. It should cause you to live beyond yourself. Amen? God's trying to get you beyond you. It's more than you. It's more than being about you. Come on. But he's not forgetting about you. When you step out beyond yourself and you help other people, he's working on you. Most of us spend all our time working on us and not other people, and we never get anywhere. Right? But when we step out and we live beyond ourselves and we start ministering to other people and start reaching out to other people, it's funny, but God ministers to us. 
It's like when you go and you disciple somebody. Nobody ever believes me until they disciple somebody. But when you take the time to spend some time with somebody and disciple them, you grow more than the the person you're discipling. Right? But you don't know that until you start discipling somebody. Right? So if I want to grow, i got to pour into somebody else. And as soon as I'm pouring into somebody else, he's pouring into me. Come on. When you're just all about you, you're full. Pastor Bubba calls that constipated. You're spiritually constipated. You're not, there's nothing moving in your life. You've got all the spiritualness that you can handle and you're plugged up. And until you actually open up and let the floodgates flow, you know, let the river flow. Until you do that, then you can't pour anything else inside of you. Am I talking to the right church? I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. He's waiting on you. You're not waiting on him. If you're here today and you don't have a burden, you need to jump on board with the burden that's in front of you. It may be somebody else's burden. But you need to jump on board. Amen? We have a burden to plant more churches. And, and in planting more churches, it's going to require money. And it's, it's going to require more buildings. We're going to grow out of this building, okay? Let me warn you. We're going to go into another financial campaign in a couple of years because we're going to need to build another building. Why? Not because I like to build buildings. But because we need space for more people. God gave me the word more. It's more people. It's a good thing to run out of space. It's a good thing to build another building, right? So today, today we're, we're embarking on the REACH campaign or the REACH project. And for us here in Eunice, it's, it's just really we're, we're remodeling the building. We're just going to upgrade our facilities, our sound, our light, our, our, all these things. We're going to paint the outside. We've got a bunch of things we want to do because we want to take care of God's house. We want to take care of this place that he's given us. Right. But listen to me. It's more than that. This is what you got to get today. It's more than paint and sound and light equipment. Some of you are stepping out in this reach project today for a remodel, but it's just setting you up so that you can give towards a new building so that you can give towards an expanded work later on. Are you hearing me? It's paint today. It's brick and mortar in a year or two. Come on, somebody. It's, it's property. We got to buy more earth. Come on. But what is it really about? It's about us. It's about us. He's building us. He's causing us to step out in faith and to step out beyond ourselves. Amen. Because of what you've given today, Crowley sits at 170, 80 people. You know, because of the thing, the money that people in Jennings gave when they didn't build their new building and instead they planted this church. You know, there's about 150 people added to the kingdom of God because somebody sacrificially gave to the work of God, gave to the burden that God gave Pastor Bubba. And we stepped out and we planted a church in Eunice. So then after we planted the church in Eunice, more believers came to Christ, right? 
And so then because of that, now we can go team up with Jennings and we can plant Crowley. Come on. So now there's more believers in Crowley. Come on. And then, and then Vilpat's coming. And then all these other cities are coming. Right? We're going to plant more churches. Why? Because we're building the kingdom of God. Amen? We're just simply building the kingdom of God. That felt good. We're building the kingdom of God. There's kids that are stacked up on top of each other in Jennings. 70, 80 kids stacked up on top of each other. They need more space. Not so they can brag we built a new building, so we can brag because now we got more room for more. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, what's this got to do with me? It's got everything to do with you. Because God uses people to do his work. Amen. He uses people. So you might say, well, Pastor, what, what's all this about? You know, this reach thing. What's it about? I don't understand. Let me help you understand. This morning we're going to receive an, an offering in just a minute. And, and you were given a card this morning. Somebody raise your card up. You were given this card right here this morning. Okay. Now listen, I'm not putting pressure on you. I'm not, I don't have anybody in a headlock. <laughs> right? I'm not trying to put you in an arm bar. But I just simply want you to do this this morning. Some of you have joined our church since we, we launched the REACH project, okay? Some of you have come on board since then, and you haven't had a chance to get on board with, with this, this campaign that we're on. And so what we want to do today is this is just a, a commitment card. I asked you last week to take an envelope home and to pray over it and to see what you could give today. So we're going to do two things today. Number one, if you're not on board with our REACH campaign and you, you haven't joined us on this journey, I just want to give you an opportunity, okay? This is just an opportunity to jump in on the burden, the, the journey that we're on as a church. So you can just fill the card out. You can pray over it, put your information on there. And at the bottom, we've broken it down, how it looks monthly, weekly, annually. And so this is a two-year commitment. We're asking you to give towards our goal. Our goal is $1.2 million. And that's what we're after, and that's what we're trying, and we're believing and trusting God for, okay? And so there's some things we're going to do here, some things we're going to do in Jennings, and all that. And so without any pressure, if you want to jump on board with that this morning, I just want to give you this opportunity to do that, okay? And listen, if you're here and you already have made your commitment, I just want you to put your name on there and just put um, uh, duplicate. Right? Just put your name and put duplicate. That way we just keep track and make sure that you are here and this and that. If, if your commitment's not going to change, just put your name on there. And then somewhere in one of those lines, just write duplicate. And listen, if you have any questions about your commitment, our financial team would love to answer your questions this week. You can call our Jennings office and they can answer any questions you might have. Amen? And our ushers, I want you to come forward. Give me an envelope. Yeah, let's go. This is a reach envelope. And I asked you last week to take this, this envelope home and pray over 
what God would ask you to give or want you to give towards your commitment already. We're not asking you to go above and beyond your commitment. We're asking you to give towards your commitment. Our goal is $10,000 to receive by today. We're about $2,000 in, and we're, we're trying to change some things and buy some equipment and get the process going. So we just asked you to do that today. So if that's you and, and you, you've got your reach commitment, ushers, you can pass the baskets. I just want to thank you for committing to it. I want to thank you for praying over it. And I want to thank you for being faithful to give and faithful to step out. And We're building something. Amen? We're building something. Say, Pastor, I don't understand. What's this got to do with a wall? What's this got to do with Nehemiah? You see, Nehemiah stepped out beyond himself. And so with this REACH campaign, we've just asked you to step out beyond yourself. You can put the cards in. You can put those commitment cards in if you like. I just want to pray this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you for everybody who stepped out into this commitment. I thank you for every person that's been given to plant the church in Crowley. I thank you for every family that sacrificed and decided not to do this or that just so that they can give. And you've stretched them, Lord. And at the same time, I know you are faithful to build them. So, Lord, I thank you that those that jumped out in this journey are going to experience your journey, Lord. They're going to experience your life and your building. And, Lord, we, our hands may be dirty with brick and mortar, but, Father, you're building lives. And we thank you for that. And so, Lord, I just pray blessings over every family, every person that recommitted, every person that made their first commitment today. I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you that you're going to bring the provision. And I thank you, Lord, that we're going to build your house. We're going to build your kingdom. We're going to make room for more. We're going to make room for more, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that as over all three campuses, Father, people are stepping out today. And I bless you for that, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we don't have to put pressure on people. We don't have to put them in a, a headlock, Lord. We just, we just preach the gospel and we preach the truth and we challenge and we go that way ourselves and as we lead Father you're going to send people to follow and Lord thank you for that thank you for every commitment Lord thank you that the good work you've started is going to be finished it's going to be finished Lord and I bless you for that and I thank you for that Lord and I praise your holy and righteous name Lord thank you for building us thank you for building us Lord You're building us so we can go and build others, Lord. You reached us so we can go and reach others. You found us so we can go find others, Lord. Help us to not be afraid, Father. Lord, when resistance comes, I pray that, Lord, we'll step out and not be afraid. We'll press in, Father. We'll we'll fight with one hand and work with the other and build with the other, Lord. You didn't call us to cower back. You didn't call us to be scared. You called us to walk by faith and not by sight. And I thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I bless you and I worship.